Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. I'm glad that you guys are here tonight. We're going to jump in. We're going to jump into God's Word. Before we do that, though, um, I do want to acknowledge uh, today and all the weight that comes with today uh, being 9-11. I know that uh, there's just a lot, probably if you've been even on social media today, you've seen just so much about uh, probably one of the most famous days in America now uh, for the past 18 years. And so um, I just want to want to give an acknowledgement to that and, um, and, and then I want to pray uh, for, for people, but also not only for the people that still, though it's an 18-year-old scar, the pain that they've been feeling, right, with the lost loved ones and all that, um, just because it's an 18-year-old scar doesn't mean that it sometimes the pain comes back up and it feels like a fresh wound, um, especially on anniversaries and stuff. And so I want to pray for those people. But I also feel like today, being 9-11, um, is an appropriate day for us to really um, do some introspection and not just say, um, not just look at the tragedy that other people brought, but I also want to take today and, and see that may we never reciprocate and, and do such an evil act. Um, and so, uh, though we definitely feel the pain we want to mourn with hurting people, I think we should also challenge ourselves and keep each other accountable that um, may we never have a heart of revenge uh, to other people no matter how horribly they might hurt us, um, even if they're on the other side of the country, may we always have a, a posture of love. And I think sometimes that's not a, the common posture that people have towards other individuals that live on the other side of the globe. Uh, but nevertheless, they're humans, they're individuals, and individuals that ultimately need Jesus. And, um, and so I want to, one, I want to pray for the hurting families that uh, their, their wound has been ripped back open, as it has been the last 18 years on this anniversary. But I also want to pray for ourselves, that our own heart would stay pure in the way we look at this day. Not a day of revenge being filled back up in us, but a day of, of love and um, wanting to reach out and respond, not with um, retaliation, but to respond with the gospel and the true love that Jesus gives us in the cross. And so I want to pray for uh, the, the families of the victims, but I want to pray for our hearts as well. Uh, if you guys would join me in that, I think that is so important, but also overlooked a lot of the time. So um, please uh, just think about it in your, own lar- in your own heart, in your own life, but also in your friends. Um, uh, your Christian friends keep accountable. Uh, check with them how they talk about this day, how they talk about uh, maybe people on the other side of the planet, and it's your job as the brother or sister in Christ to them to keep them accountable how they talk about human beings. And so uh, let's pray for one, the families, but also let's pray for our hearts that we would be fair representatives of love, right? Let's do that. Let me pray. God, before we open up your word and we believe that it will speak to us when we do, I want to take a minute, God, and just turn to you in reflection of such a horrific thing that happened on September 11th, 
2001. God, we just, uh, we, we remember it. Uh, many people actually uh, were born around this time that don't personally remember it, but uh, certainly the, the memory lives on as they see how other people respond. And, and so, God, right now we pray for the individuals that are currently reliving the, where they were at and how they were feeling and, and maybe looking at family videos of individuals they lost. Would we just, God, can we just be a light to them with the church, be a light to them of hope and, and care and comfort Lord, would you be their comfort? Would you be their care in, in, in a day that's a lot of painful memories? Would you be with them? Would you be with those families? Also, God, would you be with us in our hearts that we would only dish out love to other people? We would never um, give out anger or resentment. Would we never harbor within ourselves revenge and, and desires of, of retaliation? But Lord, would you cleanse us from all those evils as they are evil to have in our heart, God, would you fill us up, replace that evil with a, a just a burden to love them in response, to, to respond in, in uh, though they heap coals on our heads, would we respond in love, and uh, love that they could never comprehend, that can only be from you. Lord, would that be the kind of response that we give them? So Lord, help us, that, that takes a divine help uh, to do something like that in response to something as horrible as 9-11 was. So, Lord, we need your help for that kind of response. But would you give us that ability nonetheless? And so, Lord, we just put all this in your hands and uh, in response to this day of what it represents. Uh, be with us now as we open your word. Amen. Amen. Um, and so uh, that's just a big thing in, in uh, how we see 9-11. And I don't want to just act like it's not anything because it's a massive day in America uh, today. So, Hey, we're jumping into we're jumping into the series the last week, guys. This is the final week of our Grow and Live series. Um, hopefully, it has been good for you, and uh, hopefully, it has really started to set a vision of what ETYM is all about. And hopefully, you are all pumped for. October to start up and these things to start being um, implemented into our uh, regular activities as a youth group. So to recap very, very quickly, um, oh man, I have to go very, very quickly. Um, grow and live are the two desires that we have for you all. This is my last week of saying all this, okay? Um, but grow and live is the two desires that we have for you. We want you to grow with Jesus and also live like him. Uh, be lights to the world. Um, we have three ways that we've really been talking about how you are to live uh, in, like Jesus uh, and how you respond or talk, live life with other people out in the world. Three ways that you can live like Jesus. Um, can I get your help on it? What, uh, what are your three ways that we are going to, as a youth group, intentionally live like Jesus in our community? Can you help me out? What are the three? Crowd participation. What three ways is ETYM going to love people? Okay, so there's, a, there's prayer, so we're going to have a prayer service. What else? Huh? I didn't hear. Love? So we're going to love them in general, yes, and we're going to love them through prayer, giving, um, so money, but then also I heard time. Yes, time. So we're going to go into a service day. And so if you are needing to be uh, recapped here, Every three months, we are going to have a prayer service for people outside of ETYM. We're going to um, give our money. We're going to 
adopt a, uh, a, a, um, an organization to support every three months, and then we're also going to have a service day. We're going to give our time. And so the next slide, actually, I don't have my clicker. Um, I don't know where that, where that went. Oh, man, right there. Look at that. I've got it now. So we've got uh, the three ways that we're going to love people outside of ETY, and we're going to have service days to help them. We're going to have prayer services, and then tonight we're going to talk about how we're going to financially adopt a ministry. And now, please, don't zone out just because we're talking about money. I don't think I've ever had a sermon about money yet. This is, I think, maybe my first one on, maybe not, I don't know. I don't talk about it much, so don't zone out. I want you to really, I think a lot of times we're like, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to be challenged to give money, Um, but don't zone out. At very least, let's uh, let's read what Scripture says about it, and then uh, we can start to unfold and see what it see what it says. Uh, I want to read for tonight out of Deuteronomy. It's only four verses. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Uh, let me read. It starts in verse 7, goes to verse 10, and this is what God says to his people through the messenger Moses, okay? So this is God speaking to his people, us also today. He's speaking to his people through the messenger Moses, and God says, if there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of your city gates in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever, he, whatever need he has. Be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. And the wicked thought would be, for them, the seventh year, the year of canceling debts, is near. And you are stingy towards the poor brother and giving him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty. Give to him, and don't have a stingy heart when you give. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you do. So that's the passage that we're going to look at tonight. We're not going to really jump around throughout Scripture. Um, we're going we're gonna to stick in that, and, and I'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit and see how it, how it speaks to our lives today. Um, but like I said... When we're talking about money, a lot of the times, at least if I'm sitting in your shoes, sitting in the seat that you're sitting in, if I'm standing in your shoes, whatever, um, if I'm in your place, I kind of want to stick my fingers in my ears and say, la, 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 because I don't want the Holy Spirit to challenge me to p- possibly give more money or to, uh, um, to be a part of some um, capital campaign, and so I'm going to have to give a pledge of so much money for so many months, and I just... I don't want to think about it, so just stop talking. And, you know, so I, I try not to be a part of those things. That's my natural inclination. And so maybe that's you. I want to encourage you to be, to be with me, uh, just open to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you tonight. Don't try to build up those walls. He's strong, and he can tear them down if he wants to. But I would encourage you, don't resist what the Holy Spirit might have for you tonight, whatever he might be saying to you. Uh, don't build up walls or maybe start... Even right now, you might be coming up with reasons in your mind why this, this won't apply to you because you won't need to give because you're not in a place to where you're ready to give or whatever. Um, I know at the beginning of a sermon that I know is about money, I'm already coming up with excuses why I just won't be able to. So even if I feel the Holy Spirit, like I just, I'll have to say no for right now. Um, maybe that's you. Maybe you're coming up with excuses or building up walls, whatever it is. I would encourage you, don't, don't fight the Holy Spirit. Just hear what he has to say and try to be obedient. And that's what I'm going to do as well. That's what Sarah and I have already committed to. 
We're going to just be obedient. Obedient. And so um, uh, I know I just prayed. Um, but can I pray again? This Because this is another serious topic. A quick prayer. But a prayer that we would just be, be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit has to say to us about how we um, spend our money and how much we might be giving to other people outside of our own lives. Um, and that we would just not build up those walls, not come up with those excuses, but just say, what do you have for me? I'm ready. And so um, with that, let me pray, and hopefully you would just bind your heart with mine in that. God, would you speak to us? Would you challenge us? And would we not resist? Would you uh, speak to us about how we could give of our not only time and of our prayers, but that you would challenge us to give our precious money and that we wouldn't resist that? Help us to do that. Amen. Amen. The call's pretty clear. It's not... um, ambiguous. He's not beating around the bush. He says very simply in verses 7 and 8, if there's a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of your city gates in the land that the Lord is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him and freely loan him everything that he might need. Pretty clear. No ambiguity. No question marks. Well, what about this? What about that? If he's poor, give to him. Pretty clear. Two things that this passage doesn't address, okay? And I want you guys to see this. Two things, that, two things that this passage does not address. One, it's not addressing only Israelites. Just because it was written thousands and thousands of years ago to people that are all dead now, it's not just speaking to God's people then. It is speaking to godly people that are part of God's people, period. It's an expectation of generosity that goes far beyond time. It's not addressing just Israelites. This is addressing us, and he's very clear, give to the poor. It's not just addressing Israelites, and it's also not addressing, ready for it, why they are poor. It doesn't matter to God how they got there. It doesn't, it doesn't say if they're poor because of reasons outside of their own control, then give to them. If they're poor because of poor decisions, um, uh, decisions they keep making, well, then don't give to them. He doesn't make any distinctions. He doesn't separate, give to these poor people and not these poor people. He says give to the poor, and it doesn't address why that person might be poor. It doesn't address the, the chain of events that led to their poverty. He says give to the poor. I think a lot of the times we start to um, pick and choose our favorite poor people to give to. He looks like he probably was asking for it. He probably looked, he looks like he um, did it to himself. Not her though. She's a victim to this and that and that and that. So I'll give to her, but he, probably a scumbag anyway. Scripture says to people that are godly, both then and now, Give to the poor, period. Give to the poor, period. And um, the challenge is so clear. I uh, think, and I've been saying this the last few weeks, the perfect example of just generous giving to poor people, regardless of why they are poor, even if they did it to themselves, I mean, even the person that just keeps making the same mistakes and they keep doing it, and it's all because of their own actions that they are in the place they are, Yet somebody would love them anyway? The greatest example is Jesus Christ, is it not? And we are the poor person that keeps making that bad decision that 
it's completely our fault that we're in this position or a situation and we worship the guy that says, I will love you regardless of that and I will give to you everything. I will give you my life and we worship him. Perfect example is God who loves the needy regardless of why they are needy. We are needy and we are so thankful that our God does not discriminate some needy people from other needy people. We should give because he gives to us. We should give because our God gives to us. We should identify with the poor people. Um, I want to show you a short video and I, I want to, uh, before I do, it's a video of me back in high school whenever I was doing a promo video uh, for my youth group for a blood drive. I'm honestly nervous right now, but watch it anyway. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go throw up. Oh, I'm so different from the high school Isaac. I tell you what. Oh, my goodness. I got to jump back onto my sermon. But, hey, as horrible as that was and as true as it is that I will never do something like that again, I would never do that again. I can't believe it. It's only day two. I got to get back in. Um, gosh. As horrible as that is, I think that it is true. Let me catch it. Let me grab you back. I think it's true that we should give because he gave. That, I think, is true. We should give to needy people regardless of why they're needy because he gave to us despite us doing it to ourselves and us being the exact reason why we're needy, he still gave to us anyway. We should give with no exceptions, no discrimination. We should give to needy people. We should give because he once gave for us. And that's the only truth that was out of that video. But uh, man, I can't believe I shared that with you. Don't tell your parents. <laughs> the command is clear. I gotta, I gotta rush through this. The command to give to the poor is clear, but man isn't the temptation to not do it so real. The temptation not to give is so real. If you look uh, in the next verse, verse 9, uh, well, verses 9 and 10, uh, he says, be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. The seventh year, so he gives this like example of what they might be thinking, this wicked thought in their mind. He says, don't have this wicked thought in your heart. The seventh year, the year of canceling debts is near. And then you're stingy towards the poor person. And so you like convince yourself not to give to them because you're like, oh, well, the seventh year of canceling debts is near. I'll explain that in a second what that is. But you're like, um, and you have this wicked thought of why you shouldn't give. He's like, don't do that. He will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty. Verse 10, give to him and don't have a stingy heart when you give. So I think he's really addressing two temptations that we all have. So catch this. The call to give to the needy is real, but the temptation is equally real not to give. We have two things that are really pushing us not to give. A wicked heart, or wicked thoughts up here, convincing ourselves, I shouldn't give to that person. We start having wicked thoughts not to give to them. And also we have a stingy heart. We start to feel either resentment towards them, or we just have this feeling of uh, giving wouldn't benefit me in some way, and so I just don't want to. We have this heart problem, and then we start convincing ourselves we have wicked thoughts. Let me address both of them very, very quickly. Wicked thoughts, he says, be careful that there isn't the wicked thought in your heart. The seventh year, the year of canceling debts is near. Uh, if you don't know what this is, uh, most people don't, it's, so it's not a, like a big deal. But 
it's really weird that their society functioned this way, but this is the, the way that the Israelite society functioned. They had um, a calendar, and every seven years, whatever debt somebody might have, a mortgage, a loan, um, they, they loaned out to somebody, if you know, if you know what like a, a loan is, or um, you borrowed something and you have to pay them back for it. Uh, every seven years on this calendar, all debts are wiped clean, and everyone has to start back over. So if you loan somebody in year one, that's the best for you because you most likely have six years until they pay all of it back, and so you have six years. But if you loan somebody um, December 31st on the sixth year, you ain't getting any of that back. That's a gift unless they're going to pay you back in the next 24 hours because on on the first day, January 1, they didn't have January, but January 1 of the seventh year, debts were canceled nationwide. Crazy. So he says, be careful. When you see that poor person, don't have the wicked thought in your head. Seventh year's coming close. I shouldn't give to them because I won't get anything back. God is saying, I don't care if it's December 31st and they need $10,000. If they need it and you have it, give. And so he's saying, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't convince yourself of these wicked thoughts. Give generously. And I think we have the same wicked thoughts. Obviously, we don't have that particular one because we don't have that scenario. But let me share with you in very honest transparency thoughts that I've had driving by poor people. I've thought, he's wearing a Patagonia hat. He definitely doesn't need my money. I've thought that. I saw somebody with a cardboard sign, and he was literally wearing, if you don't know what Patagonia is, it's a really expensive brand. He's wearing a nice Patagonia, not scuffed up, not dirty, clean Patagonia hat, and I convinced myself he doesn't need money. That is a wicked, evil thought. And I shouldn't have it, and we shouldn't have it, you shouldn't have it. But we convince ourselves. He says, don't have wicked thoughts. Don't convince yourself that you shouldn't give. Another one that I've had is they already have food. Somebody's sitting there with, this literally happened on Sunday. Sarah and I were driving by a family with a cardboard sign, and, um, and they had food, uh, Wendy's or something like that. Um, bags and, and a bunch of drinks and all this stuff. You have, you have wicked thoughts to think, oh, well, they don't need food now. They're good. They're good. They're far from good. Another thought I've had, you could be looking for a job right now instead of holding that sign. I've thought that. Guys, I'm being real and I'm being honest. Hopefully, you can resonate with some of my honesty. Instead of holding that sign, drop the sign, you can go find a job. I've had that thought, and let me put an adjective to that thought. It's wicked. It is evil. And it's, a, it's just to make yourself feel better that you wouldn't give to them. It's a wicked thought. And Moses says, be careful that there isn't these wicked thoughts in your heart. Don't have wicked thoughts. But we're not only prone to wicked thoughts. We don't only convince ourselves up here, but we also have stingy hearts. He says, give to them and don't have a stingy heart when you give. Don't feel bitterness when you give over that money. Don't feel, not only think bad, but have a stingy heart. And actually the word stingy there is just evil. It literally is just an evil heart. If you're just doing a little translation in the Hebrew, it is when you give, don't have an evil heart when you do it. And I think a lot of times if we have an evil heart, it's probably because we don't see it. We don't see ourselves, uh, the, the benefit of our giving, or other people don't see our giving. And so we have a desire of not giving. 
I only want to give to that person when everyone else can see. When that's my benefit, when that's my reward, whenever I'm like, everyone's like, man, that guy is awesome. He's generous. But if no one else is watching, I have a stingy, evil heart that I don't want to give. And if I don't see the benefit of it, I don't want to give. Whenever I drop something in here, I probably won't see the outcome of it out there. And so I have this stingy, evil heart. We're, bo- we're prone to unworthy thoughts, wicked thoughts, and also stingy hearts. Stingy hearts a lot of the times, I think, because we feel like, one, we won't see the impact, which is true. We won't see until the other side of heaven. I think we will see the impact of our giving, but others also won't see our generosity, and that bothers us, I think, a lot of the times. But in reality, other people shouldn't see our generosity. In Matthew 6, it says, hide your generosity from other people. Don't let them see. If at all possible, hide that from them so that only God would see. So the temptation, the, the, the call is clear. The temptation is real. Not to give, but I think there is still an appeal to give, a reason to give, a good reason to give, just because other people won't see the person that matters most does see. He finishes here in verse 10, because of this, because of you not having a stingy heart, because of you ignoring those wicked thoughts, because you gave anyway, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in everything you do. They won't see, we won't see you giving, but it doesn't matter if we do or don't. God does see, and he is pleased, and he loves it. It makes him happy. Your God that you love, your God that you serve is pleased. He feels joy when you give, and he will always see when you give. That should be more than enough reason to go and to give. And so we're going to, as a youth group, have this sitting um, by the doors to where anytime you enter the sanctuary or exit the sanctuary, you can drop something in this right here. You'll find out uh, in the next two weeks uh, what organization we're going to be supporting. And uh, from that point on, you will know what they're, going, what, what they're going to do with our money. We will know very clearly what they're going to do with our money. But this isn't going to be like passing the plates and you're like, oh, you gave a 20 this week? Man, i got to step it up. This is not at all like showing off, passing the plates, who's giving what. This is whenever you're just walking in, just walk by it and drop it in. Uh, put it in an envelope if you want to where no one sees what you give. It shouldn't be about other people seeing and that being the reason why you give. Dropping it in here, the person that does matter, I promise you, he will see you give. He will see you give and I I pray that all of us, that's enough. That's enough. And not only is it enough, but it actually should drive us to give because we want him to see and we want him to be pleased with us um, in doing that. So as a youth group, that's what we're going to do. But my challenge for you is to dwell on how much Christ gave you. I think that we, honestly, I think that we give the best that we can when we can identify with the person we're giving to. When we see our neediness and that Christ loved us and gave to us, I think it helps us give to other people who are needy because we, are, we see ourselves in them. And so I would say, dwell on how much Christ gave you and how much you're in need and let that propel you 
go give to other people that are also in need. We give most when we see ourselves in their shoes. So dwell on Christ's giving to you. Let that push you to deciding how much you're going to give to others. And then maybe tonight, choose an amount. That between October and December, I'm going to really work hard to give this much. No one's keeping you uh, like, hey, how, how close are you? You know, it's almost December 31st. How, you know, are you there yet or not? But keep yourself accountable. Maybe choose an amount tonight. Challenge yourself with it. And then commit to giving. Even whenever you don't see the impact. Even whenever you don't see the life change on the other end. Even whenever other people don't see you giving. Give just because you know God saw. That's my challenge to you. This is the end of the series, guys. This is the last sermon of um, our ETYM vision. Why ETYM does, does what we do. This is it. This is it. I have casted the vision. I've given the vision of why we're giving our money, why we're going to give of our time and serve like Jesus, uh, that's serving the woman at the well, why we're going to go out and serve, why we're going to give our money, why we're going to have prayer services because we believe prayer matters. I have casted the vision. I've shown you why we're going to do this, why ETYM is going to value this. Now it's up to you guys. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. Are you willing to take on the challenge to not only grow together, but to say that's only half of it. We're not going to just grow together. We're not just going to enjoy these services. We're not just going to go to Sunday school. We're not going to just do fine arts. We're not going to just focus on us growing, but we're going to go out and live. It's up to you to value that second half of why ETYM exists. It's up to us to go out and live, to give, to pray for other people, to go out and serve them. I've casted the vision. It's up to us now to live it out. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at ecchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.